0: A government shutdown averted, but still much of the Biden agenda hangs in the balance, with Congress still negotiating the details. Today, my conversation with Indiana Congressman Larry Bussaud, plus Attorney General Todd Rokita on the president's vaccine mandates, and State House Minority Leader Phil GiaQuenta of Fort Wayne on the battle over redistricting. It's all ahead on this week's edition of In Focus. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Dan Spieler. Every week we bring you the latest news and analysis of what's happening here in Indiana and in our nation's capital, where it was a busy week for lawmakers avoiding a government shutdown and negotiating the specifics on some of the president's key agenda items. The bill is passed. The House and Senate passed the funding bill Thursday. If they hadn't, federal funding would have run out. October 1st, and we would have been looking at a government shutdown. Congressman Andre Carson said this is good news for the millions of federal employees who could have been put out of work as well as their families, adding that he'll keep working to pass the Build Back Better plan, which Democrats have been negotiating here in recent days. I also spoke this week with Congressman Larry Bouchon, who says the government's current funding process needs to change.
1: I wish we didn't have to do that need to get our spending under control, but I think, you know, we're going to do the blocking and tackling of government primarily fund the government. Uh, I think probably, you know, not for the entire fiscal year. um, And I think your viewers will see that. Uh, But I do think that we will not have a government shutdown and we won't go there, uh, at least this time. And uh, I think the government will be open.
0: Is this a matter of kicking the can down the road once again? And and why do we always seem to be back at this place, uh, no matter which yeah. party is
2: in charge? Yeah, that's
1: true. No matter which party, and the reason is because I think the budgeting process is broken. I think you know, first of all, I, I think we need a balanced budget amendment to the Constitution to force uh, the Congress to uh, balance our budgets. Most states have that. Um, that's that also uh, has resulted in. Uh, out of control spending. Honestly, both political parties, we've only balanced the budget maybe four times in the last 60 years. And we just can't get agreement between the two parties about what the priorities are. And we haven't really for decades. Uh, And you know, even if we can in the House, the last time the US Senate passed appropriations bills to then fund the government in a regular way has been many, many years. So the process is broken and and the, the two parties really have pretty broad disagreements on the priorities. So we end up with these continuing resolutions uh, funding the government based on previous agreements that we've made in the past. So that's, that's the reason. I don't like it. It's not the right way to do it, um, but it's not up to people like me. It's up to our leadership on both sides um, to get control of this and to get a compromise where both parties can vote for it
0: infrastructure has been one issue where at some level the parties have been able to compromise. Uh, It's something you and other Republicans have talked about in terms of its importance. There was a bill that passed uh, the Senate on the bipartisan basis in the House this past week, likely to have some impact here in Indiana. Are there aspects of this bill that that you support? Is this essentially a protest vote against it?
1: No, I mean, I don't vote in protest of anything. I mean, there's reasons for why I support or don't support legislation. In this case, they've linked it, they did link it to their three and a half trillion reconciliation bill, which I don't support because it's dramatic uh, out of control spending and changing the social fabric of our country. So that's that's the reason the infrastructure bill has struggled. And the reason, you know, it's too bad because we do agree on infrastructure, as you pointed out, I think across party lines. I was on the infrastructure committee for a couple of terms and we couldn't get an agreement. We were in the majority, Republicans. We couldn't get an agreement on uh, a number of things. The biggest issue is how we fund it. The current bill doesn't put a lot into most of the priorities that I would have, roads, bridges, the airports, uh, and rural broadband. It, you know, it, it has some funding in there for that, but a lot of it is for climate change-related issues and, honestly, funding priorities in larger cities with transit that Have already received tens of billions of dollars in the Democrats' American Rescue
0: Plan, so we just can't come to an agreement. Would this infrastructure bill w- would it help cities like Evansville and Terre Haute in the end?
1: Well, more money always helps everybody, right? So th- that's that's the case. But if not done properly, you know, you you find that the policy is the issue. Uh, you know, they may not get as much money as you would think because a lot of the money is diverted to other. You know, priorities that uh, are not related to the cities or towns or communities that I represent. A lot of it directed at large urban areas like Chicago, and New York, and other places. Look, they need money too. Don't be wrong. But uh, you know, more money, sure. We could always use more money. Uh, But the reality is you also have to pay for these
0: things. Let's talk about the pandemic as well. Our numbers have been starting to crest and come down, uh, but we're still seeing hospitals overwhelmed across the state. A number of hospitals, including Deaconess, there in Evansville, now getting support from the National Guard. You've also posted graphics from Deaconess showing how the vast majority of COVID patients there are unvaccinated. One person on social media uh, responded to you saying, I get your point, but unfortunately your base doesn't want to hear it in their words. Is that the problem here as you see it, base voters in your party who don't want to get the shot?
1: Well, I think what you know, Republican voters don't like is mandates. Uh, they like individual choice and freedom. I was a doctor before, I think most of yours know that. I think people should get vaccinated. Uh, I think the data is pretty clear. I posted on my social media. Most people who are uh, hospitalized in the intensive care unit uh, or on a ventilator are unvaccinated. And statewide data just came out that shows that uh, 98 per, you know, roughly 98% of people who have uh, tragically died in the state from COVID are unvaccinated based on data over the course of this, uh, this year. So uh, I support vaccination. I think it's safe and effective, um, but you know, I also support uh, people
0: making individual choice uh, for themselves. All right, more of that interview on our website. Speaking of those vaccine mandates, this week our Kristen Eskow spoke with the White House vaccination coordinator and with Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita.
1: Individuals know how to take care of themselves and their families better than a government can.
3: Attorney General Todd Rokita says he's looking at ways to fight the Biden administration's COVID-19 mandates. Those include a vaccine requirement for many healthcare workers that would be issued by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS. Does CMS, in your view, have the right to issue that kind of mandate?
4: Uh, no, I mean we—I I don't think
1: they do. Uh, and look what it's causing. I mean, you have healthcare workers
3: leaving. But some healthcare systems and other companies say the vast majority of employees are complying with vaccine mandates. At Community Health Network, Dr. Robin Ledger says more than ninety percent of employees are vaccinated, and less than one percent were terminated for not
5: complying with the mandate. Although we definitely lost uh, less than one percent of our workforce based on the mandate, I think you know for other smaller um hospitals or critical access hospitals you know losing one for them or losing one person actually and for all of us can be detrimental
3: when he was in town this week the white house vaccinations coordinator told me he believes mandates work to get more people vaccinated citing several examples of companies that already have mandates of their own take some um, health systems like kaiser permanente that are over 90 percent now Dr. Shukir says vaccine mandates aren't the only way to get more people vaccinated and says information and incentives have convinced some to get the shot. But he believes requirements make an impact. We're going to have to keep doing everything we can to get this country vaccinated. This is our path to getting us past this pandemic. From the Indiana State House, I'm Kristen Eskow. Okay, Kristen, thanks.
0: This week we're also following the redistricting process at the State House with the final votes coming Friday.
1: People can, are, are going to think what they want to think, but I think we can stand behind coming here presenting very um, you know, maps that, that met the goals that we had.
0: While Republicans say they think the process was fair, State House Democrats say it was anything but fair, in their view. I spoke this week with House Minority Leader Phil Giaquinta. What will these new maps mean moving forward for your party politically? Is the GOP likely
6: to keep its supermajority here? Um, we feel that there are some opportunities for House Democrats going forward uh, in the next uh, next election. Um, certainly, we've seen some trends in the past uh, decade with uh, uh, Democrats, particularly in urban and suburban areas, for us. And we feel like going forward in the next election, 2022, might be some opportunities. But you're not well. pleased
0: with how these maps were drawn? Well,
6: no. I mean, obviously... Um, we would have preferred an independent commission uh, draw the maps. Um, that's something that House Democrats have advocated for over the last six to eight years through amendments and those sorts of things. Uh, but obviously, you know, we, we've been defeated. Just think it's really, uh, uh, it really frankly, kind of a conflict of interest for legislators uh, to draw their own districts and give themselves safe seats going forward. The
0: House Speaker uh, perhaps is a safer district
6: now. You represent parts of Fort
0: Wayne. What does this mean for your area specifically?
6: So yeah, so um, my area is a little less Democrat maybe than it used to be, uh, but it did create an open seat, one of those opportunities I was just speaking about. Uh, There's an open seat District 82 up in the Fort Wayne area uh, that uh, will be competitive uh, next year in 2022.
0: Okay, Republicans insist they follow the rules here. I spoke with GOP Chair Kyle Hupfer about this last week. Here's what he had to say. He said, quote, you can't draw maps that don't favor the Republican Party. He said, we've got 88% of countywide elected officials that are Republican now. So when Democrats say the legislature doesn't reflect the state, it certainly does, in his words. What's your response to that?
6: Well, typically statewide, Democrats receive anywhere between 42 and 45% uh, on average of the vote. Obviously, back in 2012, we saw Democrats win statewide, uh, Senator Donnelly, um, Glenda Ritz and others. So uh, Democrats have done well in the past statewide, uh, but certainly that number uh, that he's referring to, you know, we feel like then at a minimum, uh, there should be around uh, 42, 43% uh... the map should reflect that with when it when it comes to democrat victories in each as you district
0: will. how do you how do you make that work across the state well
6: though? yeah yeah i mean you you you're, you're you're looking for example uh... the house republican map has about i think an efficiency gap of about seven percent and that basically saying that there's that the um, there are too many votes frankly that don't count uh... because the districts are gerrymandered in such a way that the races are gonna be, be determined in the primaries and, and then folks, are legislators, candidates are gonna be unopposed in the fall. We had uh, the independent commission map that we proposed had an efficiency gap of just under 3%, which shows you that the, it basically produced more competitive districts than what the House Republican map did.
0: Now Republicans also say, hey, you go back 20 years when Democrats were in charge of this process, the maps looked a lot different. And at the time, the GOP accused Democrats of slicing up the districts in a way that they felt Was unfair. If you were House Speaker now, can you honestly say Democrats wouldn't also seek to draw maps that that aim to maintain that kind of political advantage?
6: When I gave my speech to the House floor back in 2019, I we advocated then again for an independent commission. I told our caucus, I said, "If I'm going to say this, then we better uh, uh, adhere to it and stick to it." And that's why in that couple of sessions since we again proposed. Uh, bills and amendments advocating for an independent commission to draw the map. You do so that that's if, w-
0: if you were to earn the majority, you'd, you'd go independent. Oh,
6: absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's what we said we were going to do, and yeah. we believe that's the best way to go about it, That it restores faith in the system again, instead of this natural inherent conflict of interest where legislators are drawing their own districts.
0: What else are you watching for here in the coming session? Are you expecting more abortion legislation to come to the floor? What about election related bills here with the supermajority? Sure.
6: Year? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've it, it, past practice, we've seen uh, bills that the Republicans have proposed for uh, regarding voter suppression and and making it harder for, for people to vote. We have one of the worst uh, uh, participation levels in the country when it comes to voting house democrats have proposed to to expand that and make it easier for for people to vote and by the way that's what the public wants they want to have uh, options out there to make it easier to vote and uh, unfortunately what we've seen going on in the rest of the country uh, uh republicans are making it more difficult to vote more social issues you know, I don't know what folks are going to uh, file. We've certainly seen that in the past. It wouldn't surprise me if we, if we see that again when it comes to um, uh, the abortion issue and others.
0: We'll see how it all plays out in the months to come. State Representative Phil Giaquinta, thank you so much for being with us.
6: We appreciate it.
0: All right, coming up next on this week's edition of In Focus, Democrats divided in Washington over the president's big agenda items. We'll talk with our panel straight ahead. Let's bring in our panel now to discuss this week's top stories. With us on Zoom, you indy political science professor Dr. Laura Wilson and Abdul-Hakim Shabazz from IndyPolitics.org. And here in studio with us, former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy and former state party chair for the Indiana Democrats, Robin Winston. Robin, I'll start with you. The Democrats divided on some of these key agenda items this past week. Congress was able to avert a government shutdown, but will moderates and progressives in your party be able to not only reach a deal, but keep a deal on all of the specifics when it comes to these two big infrastructure
4: bills oh dan i think we will we're a big tent party i mean it so we got to have a lot of people in the tent but in the final analysis too, i know that solution. well that yeah. happens under the big tent <laughs> um nancy pelosi will bring us together because in the bottom line is this is good for the american people mike
0: your view from across the aisle do you think it's wise for Uh, Republicans to to handle things the way they did on on the shutdown, on the debt ceiling, and what do you make of Senator Young and Senator Braun splitting their votes on that bill averting the shutdown with Young voting for it and Braun against Sure.
2: Well, if if the issues weren't so serious, which includes the national debt in this crazy spending bill, then it would be more entertaining. But because everything is very serious, I'm not so entertained. Um, Todd Young, uh, Mike Braun, they're both looking at the future. It's not just the vote this year. It's what does that do to their re-election effort or Braun running for governor or Braun running for Senate again, whatever he decides to do. So there's short-term, there's long-term implications for both of those votes, and they just chose different paths.
0: And big implications, uh, you know, nationally, obviously, what this means in terms of uh, funding our government, also big implications for the president. Laura, I'll turn to you next. What does this moment mean for the president, for this new administration as they deal with everything that they've had to face this year?
5: Well, this is a real opportunity for the Biden administration. And um, there have been some ups and some downs. Certainly the exit from Afghanistan marked a low point in in, in terms of popularity for Joe Biden. I think this is a a, a real moment for um, coming together. And as Robin said, it, it, the Democrats are a big tent party they need that leadership through nancy pelosi and also through joe biden to come together and say look what's feasible what can we do what do we absolutely have to have and what are we willing to compromise on if they're not able to get this through it's not just short-term political loss it talks about long-term implications too so the biden administration is incredibly crucial at this moment
0: Uh, abdul you also have the attorney general looking to potentially battle some of the president's vaccine mandates in the courts how do you see that legal battle playing out
7: well, it's going to be interesting uh, because uh, if you look at Todd Ricketts' past record, he hasn't been that lucky. He's like 0 oh, and five right now here in Indiana on the special session legislation. So hopefully, have a little bit of better luck uh, at the federal level. Uh, the trick is, uh, and I understand we they're talking with Freedom and, and 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 the whole nine yards, but you you do not have you do not have a right to to work somewhere. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, if you don't want to be vaccinated, you don't have to be vaccinated. But again, employer doesn't have to let you stay there because you're not. Uh, earlier, we had the hospitals on, and I'm only about like one percent. Other folks weren't vaccinated. Those were the ones they had to let go because we're in a pandemic here. And I don't know what's so hard for people to understand. You don't have to be vaccinated. You're right, but we don't have to put up with you.
0: All right. Much more on that, obviously, to come in the next few days. We also just wrapped up the redistricting process at the state house. Robin and Mike, I know you probably have different views on how all of this turned out. Mike, I'll start with you. Are these maps fair? Of course, yeah. I, I get so, uh,
2: I guess, uh, amused by the Democrats who whine and whine and whine and say something's unfair about redistricting. We have, the the Hoosiers have trusted the Republicans with the governor's office for 16 years, both Senate seats, seven out of nine congressional seats, and super majorities, including, and then in addition to that, all the statewide offices. Hoosiers know what they're doing, We got the districts that the Hoosiers want. Robin, your response to that?
4: There wasn't much Hoosier input. This is all done by people looking out for their own interest. What I'm concerned about is how we diluted minority voting power, particularly here in Marion County, where there are districts that slice right through the heart of the the predominantly minority communities to make sure that the vote is not strong for our candidates. But keep this in mind. It isn't about the lines. It's about the campaigns
0: and the candidates. Abdul, your thoughts on how this all played out?
7: I'm going to have to respect and disagree with my good friend, uh, Mr. Winston here, because the the, the the Senate maps that were adopted uh, by the legislature were actually drawn by, actually promoted by Democrats. So you, you can't you can't have you can't say you want minority vote on the one hand and competitive district on the other. You, you got to have what got to have one or the other. It, it's that simple. Republicans did legally what they're supposed to do. They kept millions of interest together. They did not dilute minority voting strength, and they uh, did everything on the state and federal level. So at the end of the day, that's it. Anything else is just extra.
0: You you kind of smirked at that. Look,
4: I don't agree with Abdul on that because while you might have said we had input, we are not the people that drew the maps. In the final analysis, we'll see how those districts change. Our communities have also changed too. Minority voting power is moving out. And I think some of those districts are are being
0: diluted. Laura, I'll give you the last word here. This is always a, a controversial process. Do you ever see the state moving away from this method and putting in an independent commission in place? In recent decades, it seems only whichever party is in the minority typically has called for that.
5: And that's exactly why I don't think we could forecast it in the future, because it would require the party in power who would otherwise have the ability to redistrict to say, oh, no, we're going to give that over to an independent commission or a nonpartisan commission or a variety of different ways that states across the country do this. Uh, Many of them do use their state legislature to draw the lines. That's what we have here in Indiana. And I don't see that changing in the near future. Okay.
0: our thanks to the panel. They'll be back for this week's winners and losers coming up. Also ahead on this week's edition of In Focus, President Biden taking time this week to remember former Indiana First Lady Susan By. Stick around. We'll be right back after that. President Joe Biden paid his respects to former Indiana First Lady Susan By this week, the president attending a memorial at the Washington National Cathedral. By was the wife of former Governor and Senator Evan By. She passed away in February at the age of 61. Stick around. We're back right after this. All right, time for this week's winners and losers. Laura, I'll start with you.
5: My losers, I have the Carmel Clay School District. Not the district itself, but the decision they had to make the meetings virtual. While that's probably the best thing to do, you have to understand you're modeling for students. Good behavior. This is important for us as adults. Good conversation, coming up with compromise. For my winners, we just redistricted, so we have open seats. We have new retirees. Hopefully that means new candidates. And, of course, 2022 is just around the corner. It
7: sure is. Abdul? Uh, my big winner is actually former state Senator Jim Merritt, who has changed his position on uh, legalizing marijuana. He was against it, uh, did some research, and now is in favor of it. If I lose, it, anyone has to deal with the post office going to be paying higher prices and getting much worse service.
2: Okay, we've all been hearing about that for sure. Mike? I have two winners. Uh, the first is Senator Joe Manchin, who after calling Biden's uh, plan fiscal insanity, is now trying to uh, insert some sanity in that plan. And also the winners are 1,400 towns across America who turned down Federal Rescue Act money because they didn't need it. How about that? Robin?
4: That's innovative. Um, <laughs> I would say the winners are the people that are watching the show today. I mean, if you're living in, in Fort Wayne, or if you're living in Evansville or in Terre Haute, which is going to get a casino. That's right. This is a tremendous show to tune in. Laura's we right. We need you.
0: more civics t- yeah. discussion. You're going to get it here every Sunday. And we welcome all of our new viewers across the state this week. Thank you so much for joining us this week. We'll see you again on next week's edition of In Focus.